0: College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action, so here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire 7 days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbookdraftkingscom football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. You
1: are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank.
2: Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What's up,
3: everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the question and answer podcast from KCSN, pulled from the KCSN Discord. My name is Craig Stout. I am joined by one of the brand new hosts on KCSN, Mr. Ryan Scott Hall of AHPKC Fan. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Well, Craig, I'm so much better now that I'm sitting across from you,
1: man. Don't uh, get to see each other nearly as much. Uh, as we would like. And so being able to sit down and do like a, a little crossover, 21 questions, uh, exactly what I needed to start my Sunday. Mm-hmm.
3: Ryan and I have a very long history. It's not just, Hey, we pulled in AHPKC. Now we're getting to know each other. Ryan and I have known each other for a very long time. I I think over a decade at this point, I, it, it I close it. if it's not, but um, Ryan is one of my very favorite people to, attend chiefs games, sporting KC games, live events in general, and just to get to hang out with. So this is going to be fun for not just me, but I I'm speaking for Ryan here. I assume him as well, because this is a good time. We, we love to chat with each other. So yeah, the club chat. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> we love to chat with the people of the KCSN discord who ask us questions as well. If you are not a part of that, sign up for KCSN daily, it is $30 a year. You get access to all of the film breakdowns, all of the articles that are going on in the KCSN substack, and there will be a lot of them this year. We have lots of new writers, same film breakdowns that you're used to, and you get access to this KCSN Discord. You can ask us questions here. Starting off with our guy, Grayson Jaspers. um, Are we not talking about LJ, LeJarius Sneed, going to IR after the 53 enough. It's something that like has been kind of floating around out there, Ryan. And I don't know that we've really considered the full ramifications of Legarius need going to IR hasn't been practicing, you know? So uh, what's your take on Legarius need here going into the season? Uh, I mean, I think that, He is the second
1: most important player on our defense, and we haven't seen him in like a month. Um, So that's a scary way to start the year. Uh, I I mean, I think that any sort of rest so that he's ready when we're supposed to be playing our best football toward the end of the year, um, totally fine. I mean, if if what you want to do is put him on IR to return, Um, and really let him take its time, that's great. But I feel like we've just been thinking like, oh, well, he'll he'll be back next week. He'll be back next week since like, I don't know, July 20th. he came started. Yeah. like (laughs) He'll he'll be back next week. Uh, It's been many, many next weeks and still nowhere to be found. Uh, It's kind of scary, really, if you think about kind of projecting forward, how that might impact his status in terms of, you know, his, his future with the team, I know that he's a little bit older uh, than maybe folks would think. Uh, thanks, Matty, for telling me that earlier this week. Uh, <laughs> but also just the fact that, like, if he's been dealing with little kind of nagging injuries, but now the guy's got so much knee swelling that, like, he can't practice for a month. Um, not not a good thing. Not a, not a good thing. Not at the, the top of my uh, joys list
3: right now. <laughs> no, it, it's a little bit... Scary how long it's lingered. How long some of these other injuries have kind of lingered with him. He is a guy they prioritize. A guy that they've been talking about all offseason. They want to pay, and if you're not able to stay healthy, it makes it much more difficult to collect. So I I, I think that Shamari Connor, after seeing preseason week three, you know, I think Shamari Connor is probably the like for like guy that they're putting in there. But I don't know that you know, that he has the same coverage chops. Lejarius Le- Le- Sneed has certainly doesn't have the same run support and blitzing ability, even though it's great. It's just, you know, Lejarius Sneed is at a completely different level than most of the rest of the NFL. So there is going to be a hit that occurs with that. I'm just waiting to see what happens there because the, especially if we get through this week and Lejarius Sneed isn't practicing, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's basically going to be on IR to start the season. And that's a little worrisome because, you know, you're missing Charles Aminihue. It's uncertain what Chris Jones's status is. Legereus Sneed is one of the most impactful players on this defense. You're basically down to your guys at the second level and then the young guys on the defensive line. And Frankly, that's a little bit scary when you've got so much other assets that are out there that you've invested in this team that should be contributing at a high level on the defense, so we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, he's going to be okay. Staying with the defense here, Ryan, Mike Denny asks, who is more likely to get extended at the end of the 2023 season with the Chiefs, Drew Tranquil or Willie Gay Jr.? Uh, Unfortunately, I think we right now
1: kind of see the writing on the wall. uh, If what you want to do is think about, um, you know, what Spags prioritizes, and the kind of wisdom uh, that Drew Tranquil possesses just to be able to wear that green dot on really such short notice inside of this system um, makes him really valuable. And ultimately, if we think about like some of the stuff that Willie brings to the table in terms of his coverage ability, his his playmaking. Uh, getting after the quarterback, he might have an edge on Tranquil in those areas because he's a better athlete, but it's kind of a push anyway, and there's not a snowball's chance in hell that Willie would ever wear a green dot for this team. <laughs> and so it, essentially I would think that like if this is his last year in Kansas City, um, then I would think that Tranquil just becomes the starter next to Bolton. If you're in, you know, a, an actual base four-three, uh, Tranquil will just, you know, be your weak side linebacker at that point.
3: Yeah, especially since Chanel has come along far enough. I know there were some questions during the off season. It's like these are good problems to have. if Drew Tranquil starting at your will linebacker, and you're having Leo Chanel and Willie Gay Jr. sort out the Sam. It doesn't appear that way in the base defense so far throughout preseason. It does appear that Drew Tranquil is definitely a second teamer from the base defense standpoint. I still maintain that he's going to have that dime linebacker role. I know that we haven't seen it a ton, but Spags does not just give out green dots to people right and left. It's not something that he wants to do. It's not something that he's comfortable doing. So it's going to take a big effort to sort of stop Drew Tranquil from getting on the field, especially if assignments are blown. You know, we we saw last year with Willie Gates Jr., they yanked him off the field on about the third drive, about every third drive, and put Darius Harris, a guy who, good football IQ, put him on the field, got Willie right on the sidelines, back in there. He was an impact player on those next two drives, but it was very frustrating for Chiefs fans to watch. I am not going to be shocked if we get midway through the season And stuff like that is happening again as well as Drew Tranquil being the dime linebacker. It's just, it's an uphill road to climb. I think that Drew Tranquil, if anybody is probably the more likely guy. Um, Heard a little rumors over the weekend that the Buffalo Bills really wanted Drew Tranquil. Uh, We know that the Chargers wanted to keep Drew Tranquil. Drew signed in Kansas city over those other two teams and I, I, I don't know. He doesn't have a starting spot. So I, they're, they've obviously told him that they got plans for him elsewhere. I, I would expect that they have plans for him in the future as well. You know, real quick
1: on Willie, like, I, I just don't know where he belongs because I, I look at it, it's like he has all the physical ability in the world, but it kind of seems like his health and his brain have been holding him back a little bit since Maybe. he got here. Yeah. But like, dude, the competition has gotten so thick. Mm-hmm. That he just might be destined to thrive in another uniform, different, you know, different opportunity. And I do want to point to Brandon Daly a little bit because I don't feel like the defensive line was developing under him the way that we wanted. And then they switched him to linebacker, and we saw what Joe Cullen did with the defensive line last year. And and I just wonder if Brendan Daly is the right coach for this group of linebackers and if he's really going to be able to get the most out of that athleticism that Willie has.
3: And I do think. That we've seen linebackers like Willie have a ton of success in the league. Like I think of guys like like Devin White. He's the first one that comes to mind playing next to a really smart guy and basically just, you know, point and shoot sort of thing, you know, see ball, get ball, sort of linebacker. And that's what Willie is. And he makes a ton of plays that way. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but the guy that those teams prioritize is the Levante Davis. Like, you know, it's the guy on the interior that makes everything else go. It's the Nick Bolton, the guy that makes things go because he's seeing the game at a different level. He's helped covering up from some of that other stuff. There is still so much value in a Willie Gay Jr. being on the field, making the impact that he had. His his coverage instincts, just his feel for it, it, it's unreal. Like uh, the way that he drops into lanes and stuff like that, it's just second nature. It's not that he's reading out route distributions. He just feels it different and there's room for that guy on the field for certain i just don't know that that's the type of guy at least under this current regime that they're going to turn around and say yeah we need to give that guy big bucks to keep him." so yeah i i don't know there all right just drk asks what's the percent chance that dickerson or wise defensive tackles make the roster if chris isn't back by cutdowns, right? You got a percent that jumps to mind immediately? I mean, I think that Daniel Wise has
1: showed well. Um, and honestly, the way that he's built, he's kind of another inside-outside guy. I mean, I don't know how many reps he's gotten at defensive end. It sounded like maybe he got a few against the Brownies. Um, but, I mean, how many defensive tackles are they going to keep? And and are those guys even on the roster? Like, let's keep in mind that almost 1,200 players are going to become available on Tuesday. So I think that the Chiefs, being as thin as they are at defensive tackle, might really be looking for help. Brett Beach might be looking, you know, to to be getting on the falls to do something. Uh, Because Chris hijacking all that space makes it difficult. But that might end up Pointing to them needing to keep, you know, a Dickerson or a Wise on the roster, uh, because uh, presumably both of those guys are making very much
3: money. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not going to be making very much money. It was good to see Turk Wharton back out there. Didn't get to see a ton of him out there, but getting those live game reps again makes me feel better about maybe only keeping one. And I think if I'm if they're going to keep one, it's going to be Daniel Wise. I would say that if Chris Jones reports this week, I think your defensive tackle room is going to be Chris Jones, Turk Wharton, uh, uh, Derek Naughty because he's been the starter there, not necessarily because he's outplayed the other two guys, and then somebody, either Danny Shelton or Keandre Coburn, I only think they're going to keep four interior guys just because there's so many defensive ends that are young that I think that they want to keep on the roster that they want to have as part of the rotation. So I think that's what the cutdown ends up being. If Chris Jones isn't there, you might have to keep a, a wise because those other two guys are not going to play three tech for you certainly Mike Dana can kick in in the dime, but you're not wanting him to do that on a base down standpoint and Turk Wharton is not going to be playing 100% of the three tech, you know, the snaps on the inside there, so I I think that you would want to keep Daniel Wise there, so I still think that that nose tackle rotation, I think there's two spots for three guys I I just think that Wise has enough, he's shown enough juice this preseason, had a great A-gap you know, penetration uh, in in yesterday's game at the time that we're recording this. So uh, it's one of those that I look at and I see a guy that has potential, can fiddle in in multiple different places. Steve Spagnuolo likes that sort of thing. And even if not, I think they gave him enough reps all over the line and showing his versatility that if he does get cut, he'll find out. So I do think that he's going to get somewhere. I just don't know if he's making the Chiefs roster if Chris Jones is here. Honestly, it seems
1: like the the strength of their defensive ends is being able to move inside and in passing situations. So, like, their their rotation at defensive tackle is super strange to me to where, like, I would almost think that they might just keep those nose tackles. You know, give me Cobra yeah. and Sheldon and Naughty um, because, you know, your three-tech could just be a rotation of... All these defensive ends and Turk Wharton, you know, and and don't get me wrong, I don't necessarily want them in there on a on a base down. I don't want first and ten George (laughs) Carlock lined up at nose tackle. But that then you might just get real beefy on those base downs and put two guys together. I don't know. I I mean, you're the X's and O's guy. I just know that like it seems like maybe
3: that's where the talent is right now at defensive tackle. It definitely feels that way. I think that drop some of your potential for splash plays, but maybe raises the, the floor, Yeah, rather than, you know, potential to give up six yards on a run or negative two, maybe you kind of even that out and it's like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to put the beef in the middle and just say, okay, if you're going to run the ball, you're going to get two yards. We're going to live to fight another down. We're going to get into our nickel rotation a little bit heavier and try and make our impact there. I can definitely see a path for that. It's just not something that Spagnolo has done, but they also had a guy like Chris Jones on the roster. kind of makes a difference. You're and we are going to take a break and listen to some people that are looking to make a difference. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search
4: KC Sports Network.
3: Welcome back to 21 Questions. I'm Craig Stout. With me, Ryan Hall. We are still answering your questions here. Casey from KC, lots of welcomes to the party here. But Casey from KC asks, you know, welcome to the party, Ryan. What's your favorite side of the football and what's your take on that area? I think he's looking maybe for the trenches here. Favorite side of the line?
2: Uh,
3: You know...
1: I always felt more comfortable as a player on the offensive side. It made me feel like I could be aggressive and I knew what I was supposed to do. There was too much uh, read and react on defense. It always made me feel like a hesitant player unless it was just go get the quarterback. Um, I mean, certainly I think there's a little bit more little flash and pizzazz if you're talking about the defensive side of the trenches, but, you know, I'm actually really intrigued to watch the offensive line this year, um, and I think we've got some really great personalities there. So, you know, I, I think I'll lead toward the offensive line right now. Uh, we we can certainly say that they're better.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> they, they, but, I, I don't think that anybody will argue that, even with Chris Jones on the defensive line. I don't think anybody's going to argue that the defensive line is a better performing unit than the offensive line. So yeah, I I think you're on the right side there. (laughs) I also, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I
1: will admit that I think it's almost impossible to know anything about the offensive line. Like, uh, at least, you know, for, for an amateur such as myself, it seems like the most difficult thing for me to even know if somebody's had a good game or a bad game, unless they just, very clearly give up a pressure a sack or something um and so every time i see like maddie talking about caliendo i'm like how do you how do you know how do you even know? You know how do you know i don't
3: he know you just know i, don't, I don't know he just really that likes it when caliendo pulls because his his quote is he runs like a gazelle you there we go. a 300 pounder that runs like a gazelle there I, I think that's his biggest thing with caliendo no i did I don't think you're alone on that. Um, I I think that's why Orlando Brown Jr. was such a polarizing guy. Um, You knew where the losses were with him. Like, they were very visible when he would have those sorts of losses. Certainly, late in the rep, deep drops from, like, Patrick Mahomes and stuff like that. Mitchell Schwartz kind of tried to course-correct some people's line of thinking there. But there were some that were bad losses, and they were very evident with him. Because his feet stopped moving, you know he's trying to catch the player a little bit, and guy would run around him. It made it a lot more defined for people to kind of single those out and point those out. Whereas maybe you watch, you know, forty Joe Tooney reps, and you know he loses on three of them. I, I, this is just me kind of fitballing out here, and maybe you don't see those within the structure of the game as while you're watching it, it, it's not quite as evident as maybe it is for some other guys. So, it, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Casey from Casey also asks you, what are your favorite Kansas City barbecue joints? Oh, like actual location. So here's the thing, man. Like when you have
1: been eating Kansas City barbecue for as many years as I have, uh-huh. you get to a point where you say, well, look, I got if I'm going to eat brisket, I'm going to Q39. It's uh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if if I really want French fries, I am going to Joe's. Period. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If I want burnt ends. I'm going to go to probably like Gates or Bryant's before any other place. Uh, you know, but like I need a Z Man every once in a while, and I absolutely love the ribs at Harp. Um, you know, I I there there is there's so many good places that it's impossible for me to just say like. Oh, here's my top five barbecue restaurants. It's normally the items that I'm going for. I want to go eat this thing at this
3: place. It's kind of how I tend to think about barbecue, and that's not the. It's not just barbecue. With Ryan speaking from my experience, you know, like when I'm in Kansas City, I'm texting Ryan. I'm like, "Hey, let's grab lunch," and it's not, "Hey." What do you feel? Meaning like, are you feeling Indian food? Are you feeling barbecue? Are you feeling this? It's more like he's wanting to know, are, are you feeling like ribs? <laughs> do you want some brisket? Do you want some burdens? Do you want some you know, some delicious, you know, uh, you know, uh, pad thai or something like that? And he will direct you where you need to go there. So, yes. Greg, you and I both know you're a drunken noodles guy, all right? I am a drunken noodles guy. Yes, you're right. I am a drunken noodle guy, but yes, Ryan is my food Sherpa. Like when I come to Kansas city, I I just lean on him. I was like, and he, he has never steered me wrong there. So yes, I knew you were going to answer that question with this item. So I'm happy that uh, that happened there. All right. This is a little different take on the Chris Jones situation. I like it here. It's from Bruce in the fort. If Chris Jones sits out, what will the impact be on the offense How do we think Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid are going to have to try and compensate for that loss there, if any at all?
1: Well, if the question is, will they? I think the answer is yes. Uh, How will they? I believe was the question. And my answer is, I'm not sure. Uh, But I mean, look, let's be honest if Chris Jones is actually going to sit for the first eight games of the season, and then I think it would be fair to question his potential effectiveness, um, or drive or other, other, you know, possible buzzwords in there. If he's already set out for eight weeks, when are we going to see the kind of Chris Jones that we've come to expect? Um, And that, to me, says you're looking at a similar situation to, like, 2018. Um, You know, Mahomes' first year as a starter, uh, it it was entirely up to the 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards in order for the Chiefs to win games. And ultimately, in that AFC championship against Tom Brady, they lost after having scored 35 points. And don't get me wrong, they didn't score in the first half. But Mounds put up 35, and they lost at home. Um, and the defense just could not get off the field, especially on third down. And so I'm looking at it this year, and I see the ability for Spags to do some really fun stuff. But this defense was built around Chris Jones, and if he's gone for any stretch of time... um. It, it really just, it's it's a domino effect, man. It makes everybody's job more difficult, and when I think about Andy and Pat, I mean, they're not gonna, like, go out of their way. It's not gonna be deliberate or intentional. that like, oh, man, we gotta score 50 every game because Chris isn't here. But, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they that meant that they go back to this every single possession we have to go slower. We're probably gonna have to to go at a pace that we're not necessarily wanting to, we're going to have to control the ball a little bit and and in the end it's going to be more about points per drive instead of, you know, the 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 ultimate statistics that people are looking at, it's going to be on a drive by drive basis are we punching it into the end zone. I I think that that's
3: probably where the emphasis ends up moving to if they're comments. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's really what it is. Luckily for this offense, specifically with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they've dealt with some defenses that took some time to gain their footing. Um, I know that everybody's just kind of looking at this and going, oh, if he's gone the first eight weeks, this team is going to be awful. They're not going to be able to do much of anything, et cetera. No, I don't foresee that being the case. I know people are going to go back to 2021, which I did as well. Chiefs historically bad defensive start to just start that season. They come out of the first eight weeks, four and four. That team turned it around, still made the AFC championship game, loses in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year, the first eight weeks, they were still getting their footing with some young guys, and they were playing a lot of static cover two defenses. They were having to blitz a little bit more because the pass rush wasn't getting home early. These are things that they've grown accustomed to. I think that they're going to be able to fight still. I think they're going to be able to find be fine with some of this. And honestly, I have... This is going to be so weird for me to say because I, <laughs> you would have told me I was going to say this four months ago. I would have told me that you were kidding yourself. I have more faith in this offense this year than maybe I did going into last year. Yes, Juju Smith-Schuster was there. You still had a year younger, Travis Kelsey. But... I don't know that I was super optimistic about MBS and certainly the depth chart after that Sky Moore we hoped would be good, but that became apparent very early that they weren't going to give him some of the reps that we were hoping. I feel better about what this offense could do both with an upgraded offensive line, better receiving options or at least more receiving options that you can trust to have some juice, take things a little bit more. I just feel a little bit better about the offense as a whole. And then I feel a little bit better about the secondary as a whole as well. So yes, Chris Jones out there is going to make a big difference. I think the offense is going to have to score more than they would like to, but I do think that it won't be one of those things that it's like, okay, this is going to be 50 to 51 every single week because the chiefs offense has to have that. I do think it'll be a, better defensive performance than we're expecting even if they have to ramp it up a little bit on offense here okay andy nagel asks are people making a bad comparison by comping the tyree kill and chris jones situations it seems like this team a wants to keep jones and b replacing jones is harder at least for them and patrick mahomes than replacing Hill was. How do you feel about this comparison throughout this entire offseason, Ryan? I mean, I think if you zoom out a little bit, uh the biggest difference
1: is baggage. Um I can't I can't look at Chris Jones the same way that I looked at Tyreek Hill because Chris Jones didn't have the same uh questions off the field. Um you know, when we think about in terms of the way that they were looking at those situations, the I, I also see as far as like from the front office's standpoint, at least in the like the verbiage that's coming out of, you know, from Brett Veach, it's like I think that they had been just as confident as Chiefs fans have been that like, oh well, we're just we're gonna get this worked out. It's what we want. And it's it'll happen in July. Yeah. That's great. Right. Yeah. And they knew pretty instantly after Devontae Adams signed that contract uh, with the Raiders, that it was like, okay, so uh, Tyreek and and Rosenhaus are coming in here and they're going to be asking for like $25, $26 million a year. He wants to be, period, the highest paid receiver in the league. And because they instantly had trade suitors who were offering real packages it made it easy for them to move on. Made it very easy. We got the best of Tyreek Hill's career. He maybe still has you know a few good years left, but like we got the best of him, and so now is the right time to move on. And I think that when you look at Chris Jones, it's a lot harder for the team to part with whatever package of picks that is nowhere near what the Chiefs got for Tyreek Hill in exchange for your best defensive player. I would think that if they even entertained trades, um I I don't think that they were getting more than maybe like a couple of day two picks. And you're looking at it, and it's like, do we want arguably the best defensive tackle in the league? Or do we want a couple of, you know, uh as as our buddy Kent calls them, lottery tickets, I guess. You know, we're just being able to take some shots at the draft. And, I mean, I I just think that they always thought it was going to get done. And, unfortunately, it hasn't to this point. I don't think it's necessarily a bad comparison. Um, It's just that the circumstances have certainly been different in a few areas.
3: Yeah, I I, I get why people make that comparison. I did, you know, the logical leap there. You're trying to take care of... Your cornerstones, your foundational pieces, players that you've taken care of before. Now it's time for another contract. Are you going to take care of them again? Sort of deal. Like the, 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 it's not a big logic leap to get there. I do think the part that you said, the Devontae Adams money coming in over the top, basically resetting the market there all of the sudden, and that happening in March all of the sudden kind of pivoted away from everything. Whereas the defensive tackle market, I don't think anybody's looked at this uh, at the defensive tackle contracts that have been signed since Aaron Donald and said, "Oh wow, that's more than I expected that guy to get," or "Oh wow, they really broke the bank with that." No, if, if anything, every one of these guys that's come in, even Quinton Williams, who is a ridiculously ascending player that's the third best defensive tackle in the league, arguably the second last year behind Chris Jones, he got $24 million. Like, it, it was supposed to try and close that gap between Aaron Donald and the second-highest player, and that's what I think everybody was kind of waiting on, whether that be Chris's representation, Chris himself, the Chiefs trying to make sure that they're not overpaying based on the market. Market came in lower, and it definitely seems like since all of those contracts came in, I don't know if the Chiefs changed their stance. We just don't know anything about this negotiation. Definitely not happening in public, which Andy Reid definitely appreciates as well. But I do think that when all those contracts came in, some of the, for lack of a better term, some of the leg to stand on for getting to that $30 million mark, that $31 million mark that Aaron Donald had was kind of gone. Because they trying to close up that gap, even though Chris Jones was the best offensive tackle in the league, third and defensive player of the year voting. I think that the market just didn't formulate the way that maybe their side wanted it to. I don't know if that's the disconnect, but that is the definite difference between Chris Jones and Tyree Kill. Because Tyree Kill had teams that wanted to pay him, you know, the amount of money that they did as soon as the DeMonte Adams contract did. I don't know that that's the case for Chris Jones, and it's certainly late enough in the year that they don't feel like they're confident in trading him. We are also late enough in the podcast that we need to take another break. So we're going to take one, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
2: What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, Higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting, period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. We are back. We got a
3: couple of lighter ones here, Ryan. We've been been harping on the Chris Jones things for a little bit. It's almost like people want to talk about that. It's it's weird how that works, right? Yeah. So, we got a couple lighter ones here. Lee 87 asks, "Your favorite hiking spot?" Uh, like anywhere? Anywhere, buddy.
1: Anywhere. Um, I honestly I think that my favorite is probably the one that I have done the most uh in the last few years. Um, I, you know, what was it? Two years ago, three years ago, uh, graduated college. I had spent a few years uh, in Warrensburg at the University of Central Missouri. And right outside of town, just a few miles from the place that I was living, uh, is Knob Noster State Park. Um, Even from Kansas City, it's only maybe like a 75-minute drive or so. Um, And they have a couple trails on there um, that... Depending on how far you want to go, you can get up to, you know, an 8 or 10 mile loop. Um, and it's all just in the woods. There's not necessarily like a whole lot of difficulty. Um, but it's gorgeous. And it's close to home. And every time that I go out there, uh, I'm just able to clear my head. And by the time I'm done, you know, I'm, I'm feeling more more relaxed. Um, and so I, I really like Knob State Park as far as like some local hiking is concerned. Um, you you're gonna have to maybe do a little bit more of the uh, out of town,
3: sure, <laughs> of in town for you, you jerk. Yes, yes. Uh, and Brian likes to come out here and have a good time, hike out here as well. Um, probably my favorite is one of the ones that I've done a lot as well. Uh, Wild Basin uh, Trailhead out here in Rocky Mountain National Park. I am I am a little bit north. I'm a little closer to some of those rather than some of the southerly parts, which are also beautiful. But I really like going to Wild Basin, uh, specifically Oozle Falls. It is a really nice, casual, shaded hike that you are able to take. One that I can take with my kids, and my six-year-old only complains a little bit about getting all the way there. You know, there's only certain spots there. Plenty of spots for you to basically stop, have a snack, hang out, have a good time, and you're hiking b- beside the river basically the entire time you you are hiking behind or beside the saint brain the entire time it it is a gorgeous hike i love it so much honorable mention goes to uh, mills lake sky pond used to be my my very favorite hike to go because you get to scramble up the side of a waterfall on the way to sky pond but mills lake and a little bit beyond that is uh, jewel lake got to do some sunrise hikes there and holy cow I don't know that the view can be beat so those are those are my new favorites there so anybody taking notes can grab those and uh, I give an honorable mention maybe like a little uh kind of closer
1: to like the Denver area mm-hmm. uh I I when I was out there maybe two years ago went with my buddy Rob uh and his fiance we went and did three sisters. Yeah. Uh, is right there like an evergreen um, really cool especially like once you get up you just get this awesome view and I mean you can see for miles and miles literally um, and you're just af- you know surrounded by the Rockies it's a, it's a pretty beautiful and like not at all difficult summit but a lot to be able to kind of there's a lot of exploring to do in there great I think for
3: uh, having kids or like dogs uh, really really good kind of easy one Nice. I need to remember that one next time. I'm looking to hike a little bit more southerly. All right. Christian Gumminger, our guy, says, What is the best meal that you've had together? Ooh, the best meal that Craig and
1: I have had together. Yes. Um, I mean, it was probably in a parking lot, I would imagine. <laughs> um I one that is jumping out to me right now. Um, I want to say that it would have been the season opener for Sporting Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fell on St. Patrick's Day. It was uh-huh. the uh-huh. opener. And I believe, somehow, that was also the day that Eric Winston signed with the Chiefs. Um, I exclaimed a lot. I was I was very excited and inebriated. Um, I don't even know what we ate. I want to say that that was the day that we made like Italian beef, but yeah,
3: what, I, that's not even St. Patrick's Day. I don't know what we were thinking, so I'm not sure. I I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think it was the Italian beef because the, uh, was that the one with the hanger steak? No, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it the hangers? St- oh shoot, I have, I have no idea. Meals together. I like um, to think that on St. Patrick's Day I probably we would have done a little bit more theme but I probably brought Guinness like and, oh, yeah. and Jameson and we just did a bunch of car bombs in the in the uh great the parking lot Breakfast there. of Champions. Yes, absolutely. I, I one of my favorites uh Ryan makes the best biscuits and gravy that you've ever had. Like I don't I don't care uh, uh, listen My mom made awesome biscuits and gravy as well. Hers were the best until I met Ryan and had his biscuits and gravy. Um, I've had them several times at this point now, but I think the one that I remember the most was also the very first time that I met Ryan in the Arrowhead parking lot, Um, and I believe was the first time that I met in person BJ Kissel. As well, I believe he was at that tailgate that mm. uh, you uh put all of that together. Delicious. Absolutely
1: delicious. Probably my number one most requested item yeah. is is biscuits and gravy. In fact, I believe we're doing a little breakfast for dinner tonight. It's oh. Awesome. Oh,
3: Okay, I listen. When I finish recording this, I'll start towards the airport. Uh I will just I'll head your way. It's worth it. It's worth it for me. That was great, man. It, as far as. Not meals that only Ryan can make. <laughs> the the other best meal that I've had. When when we were at the draft this past time, we went to you're gonna have to help me with the name uh of it, uh, Ryan. Curry leaves, the curry leaves. Yeah, curry leaves. Holy cow. It was it was all of us, KCSN guys, Ryan and Dirk were there as well. Um I ate too much. Uh, that day and all of it was just top-notch delicious so that that one was really fun for me because not only were you and I getting to eat together it was all of us sitting around talking football it's really so yeah shout out to curry leaves right there in Oakland
1: Park off off Metcalf. it's a family-owned restaurant um, and I absolutely love what they're putting together and it's super duper consistent but, I mean, ultimately, Craig, I don't think I've ever had a bad meal with you. Some of it is the company, you know, but, like, we both mm. like to eat. Uh, yeah. And, and when we tailgate, like, we really do it up right.
3: And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, I love to break bread with Craig. I know. I know. It's one of my very favorite things. I get very excited about eating with Ryan. I, yes. Very, yeah. I- insanely excited. So, all right. Isaac Q asks, what are you most excited to watch this season about this team? Um, I'm excited
1: to see how the offense evolves when to me, I think the, the strength of the offense now in terms of the skill positions, I mean, certainly it's always Andy and Pat. Um, I, I think that the wide receivers are going to become a strength for this team in a way that we probably have never seen in, in Andy Reed's chiefs offense, I mean, not to the stint, not to the level on the depth chart, for certain, yes. I mean, I last night, don't get me wrong, in the wee hours of the morning, uh, was doing the same thing that I think you know many of our contemporaries have started to say, where it's just like, man, they might keep eight receivers <laughs> and, and just shift Tony over, you know, to IR to return or something, um, because look. Uh, I'll be honest with you, man. Um, When I look around at that wide receiver room and I see how many of these guys are young and exciting, uh, if you start rattling off the names, and especially if you think about uh, a guy that I think we all are hoping that we continue to get looks at uh, in Nico Ramiho on top of this other list, but I mean, we're talking about all these guys are like 25 or younger, maybe 26 yes. in, in Richie James's case, but like Richie James and Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, just those four, in addition to Kadarius Toney, who is literally just the icing on whatever cake we're talking about. Um there is a really exciting collection of talent at wide receiver. And because of that depth. And Mahomes' ability to spread the ball around and, and as long as he's here, Travis's ability to open things up and and take so much of the uh the defense's focus. Um, I can't wait to see what he does with all of these weapons. Uh and I didn't even yeah. mention a guy like MVS because I'm not particularly like I don't think he's gonna be here long term. This is probably his last year in a Chiefs uniform. And and really, I started thinking about this. <laughs> We've got so many receivers, right? I didn't even mention Amir Smith Marset as a guy that is 25. I mean, it's another guy in that room. Um, let Let's say like MBS for Carl Lawson. Who says no?
3: Ooh, see, this, okay, you're you're going down the path that I was already going down. the uh, The depth on this wide receiver room is so strong. Uh, listen, uh, and we're we're just speculating here. I would absolutely make that trade in a heartbeat. We're just speculating here. And this is one of the things, the amount of consternation that we had about the wide receiver room, specifically around DeAndre Hopkins' time, um, I was on there. It's was like, hey, this team needs a guy that can win. Uh, This team needs a guy that shows that they can separate, that they can be a threat, that they can win. We are three weeks through the preseason, which, take what you will from the preseason and all of that, I'm to the point where I'm looking to see what I can offload out of this very strong room. Amir Smith Marset and MVS have a lot of overlap in their game. Both of them are vertical threat kind of guys. Both of them are a little bit bigger, can kind of get upfield a little bit. I thought it was hilarious that after ISM's big long touchdown of preseason week three, MVS is the guy that's the first one over there to run and celebrate with him. It was like the Spider Man meme. You know, they're pointing at each other. They're like pretty identical. They both have three names. I mean, uh, the, the, the continuation of all of that is endless. I think that people are looking at, you know, Justin Watson as another guy that they look at and go, well, what does he bring that some of these other younger guys don't? And, I mean, again, it is, we've talked about this before, it's consistency, it's knowing the offense, it's the ability to line up in all these different places, not having to scale things back, Andy Reid wanting to keep the playbook wide open, both of those guys and Richie James are making this roster, but there are enough questions about Nico Remigio, Amir Smith-Marset, and what they could actually bring to this offense, not, to a, not from a practice squad perspective, but what they can actually bring to this offense to make me all of a sudden have that little nagging moment in the back of my head that says, hey, do they really need all of these vets? The answer is yes. Andy Reid wants all of them, but... It, it does kind of nag at me a little bit. It's like, do they just full pivot over to youth and just say, hey, listen, we got Mahomes. We believe in these young guys. We believe in the future enough. Let's just go ahead and sever that tie and make it happen now. I, I don't know.
1: I think that, I mean, honestly, if you even wanted to expand the answer and basically just say, I want to watch the young players on this team, Yeah. Because the defense is so loaded with young talent, too. And certainly that's, you know, Craig's specialty. Uh, But I mean, think about it. You've got two first round draft picks rushing the quarterback. You've got, um, you know, a bunch of of mid and late round picks in addition to a guy um, in, uh, uh, why is McDuffie? uh, There we go. Trent. (laughs) Uh, You've got one high pick and then a bunch of like middle and late round picks in your secondary. That defense is so young and so loaded with talent that, like, honestly, especially if Chris Jones does miss some time, thanks for hijacking another question, you friggin' jerk. Uh, (laughs) But I I do think, especially if Chris Jones is missing, like, getting to see Spags go to work with the collection of talent that he does, figuring it out, because you know that at times he will, and that defense will look great, uh, despite whatever challenges they might be facing. Um, Honestly, I'm just excited to watch the Chiefs. Yeah. Football football is currently happening but it's about to really
3: really happen no you you know what you know what the answer is the obvious one and i mean you alluded to it. it's just watching patrick Mahomes continue the legacy like that's that's what it is he's a hall of famer already let let's see him chase goat status at this point so yeah uh, that's really what it is all right carinder asked this question and i i want to take this kind of a branch off here He says, should we consider trading Austin Ryder to the Bucs now that Ryan Jensen is out for the season? That injury that he had last year, just Ryan Jensen never got healthy again this year. They put him on IR. So the Bucs do not have a quality center on their roster. Austin Ryder is a name that I think makes some sense from a trade perspective, but let's take this a little step further. Are there any other positions that you're looking at? I know we talked about wide receiver where you feel like Maybe the bottom of the roster could see some trade value for some teams, not specific teams that we're looking at here, but just looking at it, and going, "Wow, Chiefs have a lot of guys in that room. They should consider maybe trying to move a guy."
1: Well, I'm I'm tempted to mention linebacker, but I like the idea of having yeah. those four just increase because they right now they have four starters at linebacker. Yeah. Like that's that's where they're at. Um, And they are probably, aside from maybe 20 snaps or something this year, if Spags gets super creative, they're never going to have all of them on the field at the same time. And so I see that, and I'm like, you're you're one linebacker heavy here, Brett. Um, But that's one of those good problems to have. So, I mean, I would imagine um, that somewhere along that offensive line, there probably is a surplus um and i mean i i think back to being able to offload a former third round pick in parker anger who really hadn't done a whole lot for us but you know promising potential and they swap him over to dallas and we get travarius ward who obviously has gone on to i mean that's one of brett beach's likes worked out true signature moves i think <laughs> You know, and and Anger, I don't think, ever really played. He ended up dealing with injuries or something. Um, But, you know, maybe it's a guy like a a Canard or a Niang or something, like guys that were drafted in the third and fourth round that are basically just depth, but could potentially crack a lineup somewhere else. You never know. Some other team might value them more than we do. And the Chiefs are in a situation where they have so little money to move around right now that trading guys that like aren't super important to you for somebody that might be able to to come in at a different position um that's that's really kind of like the brett beach special he likes to make a trade or two really between now and week six he's gonna make a couple moves and it might in, you know be player for player type of stuff
3: yeah i i I think the ones that jump out to me, Luke Stang, is one of them just because offensive tackle is hard to come by. The Chiefs are clearly gonna stick with Wanya Morris. I think that Prince Teague has been a little bit better uh, this this preseason and last preseason, but this team doesn't trust its health. I, I I understand how that can all shake out or shake out, especially if a guy like Chu Godrick is on the practice squad. Like then you got enough enough stabs at the position to be okay with them. I think that one makes some sense. I'm looking at DBs. Chiefs DBs, these young guys have played really well this season. I don't know if Echo Boydo is a lock to make this roster. If somebody came to the table and said, hey, um, we'll give you a conditional six for that cat. Like, I don't know that Brett Veach is going to stop and say, oh, no, no, he's too valuable. I could see one of those guys making it. He certainly played well enough. He needs to be on a roster somewhere. It's just, you know, is it going to shake out? Here's one of the surprise ones that I'm going to throw out there. I know that we're all about him after preseason week three and preseason week two. If this team is dead set on keeping three running backs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of them, Michael Pirine is out there. And showed some juice. Now, I realize I'm talking about the running back position that nobody wants to trade anybody for. Nobody wants to give any contracts for. Michael P. Ryan is cheap. And so that would be more of like a player swap sort of deal where you'd be looking at it and it's like another team sees that they're going to be cutting this guy, but they're going to be looking for running back depth on the waiver wire here. Maybe we just make an agreement here to try and get a guy that can come in, maybe play defensive tackle or something like that for this team. I I don't know. I could see that being the case, but that's 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 more of a surprise one down the way that the value would have to be there to try and make that move. He's very well built. Um he was
1: a fourth-round pick. I know that he's somehow on his fourth team in like 3 or 4 years, but I mean, I feel like he showed a couple things with the Jets and for whatever reason they decided to move on, but I mean, those guys are they've got Fourteen running backs that they want to keep on their active roster, anyways. Um, I I think that you're looking at a kid that really has some juice, um, and ultimately, like I I hear you say that, and then when I but I'm like, dude, just please, please don't. I know, don't keep it, don't please don't keep raid him. him because while <laughs> a- he might be the best running back on the team, not named McKinnon. No offense, Pacheco. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I'm He's not, got juice.
3: He's got juice. Like, I get it. I get it. All right. Two more questions here. First one's from Sean Wallaby. This will be real quick. Sorry. I, I just said Sean. S. Wallaby. I Sorry if your name is not Sean. I'm just throwing that out there.
2: <laughs>
3: I don't know why I read it that way. Over, under, five and a half more years coached by Andy Reed. Do you think Andy makes it another six years coaching Kansas City?
1: Andy seems like the type of guy that maybe won't know when to walk away. And it's not necessarily his fault because of who he's coaching right now. Okay. Um it may just be a matter of like if they win a couple more rings in the next, you know, five and a half years. Um, I don't know if Andy has something in his head, some specific number um of of games or wins or or championships. Like I, I don't really know. Um I I gotta I want to say under. I don't want to say under, but I, I right. say under because you know Andy has never really prioritized his health. Um and I want him to just be able to go right off into the sunset with his girlfriend. Um you know t- date date your wife as he says <laughs> uh- <laughs> But, you know, I I want him to be able to go and and enjoy those years because I think that being a coach does just as much to your body in different ways as it does being a player, you know? And so Andy's got these decade after decade after decade, and and even especially as far as the head coaching experience when it's the most stress and time possible. um, Man, just go relax. Live in your Tommy Bahama wardrobe. You know, have have nice meals with your wife all the time. Enjoy your kids. Like just, you know, he's earned
3: it at this. Point. Live at Town Topic. That's where you want to be anyway. Just just sit there. And he no, he wants to be in California. California. No, I would not want to live at Town Topic. Town Topic is delicious,
1: but if you're in there for literally like sixty seconds, sixty seconds, you will smell like Town Topic for a week. Just <laughs> so gonna, go. But maybe that's that Andy's bomb. Maybe, maybe Andy it. likes that.
3: He's just yeah. sitting around, and every once in a while, just kind of puts his hand up near his face, and he's like, "You know what? I need a cheeseburger." Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea, of me. Uh, I'm gonna say over just because this is the most fun Andy ha- has had in his career, and I, and for the same reasons that you're saying, I don't know if I feel comfortable putting money on the over just because of the health aspects and all of that, like it, he's going to do it for as long as he can physically do it. And I don't know how much longer that is, but if Patrick Mahomes wasn't around, I don't know that Andy Reid would still be coaching this team. Like I with the health scares, the other stuff that's gone on in his life. I think he would have just said, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time, focus on this. I think the fact that this is, for lack of a better term, easy now. Having you know, the easy mode of having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. That doesn't mean that Andy's job got easy or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that, but he gets to have more fun. He gets to do more of what he wants to do and the ideas that he wants to implement. I think that'll keep him coming back until Patrick is to the point where he's done. I, I don't know. Like I I think I could see them both just being like, peace, we're out together, you know? And that's a long time from now, hopefully. I just did some uh very intense research, find it out.
1: Andy hit retirement age in his birthday in March, exactly now sixty-five, the classic retirement time. Uh so we'll we'll see how many uh how many more years we get from Andrew Walter Re-
3: Oh, I love that. I think if he goes four more years and they have the kind of wins losses record that he has right now. Like we're going to be knocking on the door close enough to where he can hold some serious NFL coaching records, Yep, and that might extend. That might be the next thing to kind of extend it a little further. I think that's why Bill Belichick is still going. Like, I don't think he's having the same kind of fun right now, and he's that close to so many coaching records. Like, Man, I just got to keep my head down and get this done so that I can be that guy for me. If Andy sees that on the horizon, maybe. Maybe. All right. Last question here. B. Higgs asks before the Chris Jones holdout. So I'm putting this at training camp. So let's throw the gauntlet down at training camp. Who were the top five most beloved players on this Chiefs team in order, Ryan? Uh, well, it's got to be Patrick at number one. Yeah.
1: Um, we had to say players. I wanted. I, I mean, I know I wanted to throw it. You know, very, very yeah. like. <laughs> um, it's, it's got to be Mahomes, and followed pretty shortly by Travis Kelsey. Um, I think that Chris Jones is number three behind that. He's the face of the defense and, you know, sack nation, and he's goofy, and he knows when to get to intense, and he always interacts mm-hmm. with the crowd, and he's good on social media. Now that's kind of turned sour, but still good on social media. Um, that top three, I think, is pretty concrete. Like, most people would have said, you know, going into training camp or whatever not presuming Chris is going to hold out that those are your top 3 most popular chiefs. Mm-hmm. Beyond that um anybody's guess, right? And it might even depend on like what social media websites you're on or yeah. what local radio station you listen to or whatever like we could you could become biased thinking well everyone loves this particular player. Um the two guys that I think just have like either a, a certain you know something about them that everybody appreciates uh something it's, it's probably just mass appeal um i would say number four for me our buddy jerk mcchicken all right <laughs> <laughs> he is a guy that i think people have started to maybe know his story a little bit yeah. um wow he that guy was a college quarterback oh He was really good as a compliment to Adrian Peterson. Oh, he signed up like a real, real running back contract to go Mm -hmm. play in San Francisco. And then he loses two years of his career. But mostly I think what everybody knows is that sweet, sweet chin music that he gives every time he chips a defensive end or some kind of a blitzer trying to take Mahomes down. And oh, by the way, he led all NFL running backs and uh, receiving touchdowns last year. I think that people really like... Uh, I guess they'd probably call him Jet, but listen to Amateur Hour, and you'll hear that his name is jerk actually McChicken. Jerk McChicken. Uh, I would I would put the Jerk at number four. Um, and number five, I am just capitalizing on recency bias. I would say that number five is Felix. Oh, he nice. up in the Kansas City area. Yeah. He went to K-State. He's a first-round draft pick. He is a speed, more of a speed pass rusher. Um, and so people have started to see the way that he corners a little bit, and I think that there's just a really broad appeal for a guy like that. I so I, I throw Felix is my wild card, but like the guys, you know, Kansas City, Kansas Cityans, we like wear Kansas City billboards on our shirts. We love nothing more than to tell you where we're from and what we're about. And so having a guy like Felix on the team is honestly why Clark wouldn't let them trade out of the
3: first round. Yeah, no, I I. <laughs> I I don't disagree with that sentiment. Okay, my list. I got a lot of differences here. Number one, Clyde Edwards Hilarious. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. kidding. Somebody had to go there. Somebody had to go there. No, uh, it's Patrick. Patrick is number one with a bullet. I'm going to put Chris Jones at number two uh, before. You know, again, this is before training camp, before the holdout. I remember a time... Not so long ago, where Travis Kelsey was kind of viewed as this kind of screw up. Oh, he gets a lot of personal fouls. He does a lot of this. And like there was there was a section of this fan base that wasn't the biggest Travis Kelsey fans. And even when Alex Smith was traded, Travis Kelsey is sitting there kind of pining for his old cornerback. And that I think people remember some of that. I also remember a time, where Chris Jones was in Arrowhead and criticized the fans because they weren't buying enough tickets, you know, to, to fill it. I I believe it was after a Vikings game, maybe it was after a Vikings game. And it was, it was pretty loud for Minnesota. I remember that instance and having conversations about that. And Chris Jones was teffling with that. Like it, it, that was one of those things. I think chiefs fans just genuinely love the personality, the person and things like that. And so, when those sorts of instances occurred in the past with Chris Jones, I think they just kind of looked past it because they love that individual. And that that's my delineation between two and three, because Travis Kelsey would be three. What, what's your take on that? The yeah. people
1: apparently have decided, you know, I, I asked the question, what's worse, recording a reality show during an NFL season? Yeah leaving town skipping practice to go flirt with women on yep. e-entertainment people remember that yeah or calling out the fans because they you know sold some tickets to help pay the mortgage mm-hmm. and and the people have chosen you can call us out if it's fair criticism Chris <laughs> uh but I I mean you know it's, it's I I like that you flip-flopped them I think there's a, a case to be made either way because Travis may, has done some bonehead things, but like, you know, throwing the ref's flag or making the jerk-off motion or whatever, where things Listen, that like, some people hated him for. Those, those are like top two I moments Yeah,
3: <laughs> Those are top two moments for me. This is not my personal list. We're, we're just talking about below players in Kansas City, because my personal list would look a lot different, but yeah, no. I think that those are the top three. I'm going to put uh, Legarius Sneed at number four. I, I think that it is similar to Jet McKinnon when people start – Sorry, Jerk McChicken when people started digging into LJ's story and how he came out and you know this day three guy that's become such this impact player. I just think that yeah, they they the fans especially this is before training camp here. I think fans were expecting a career year for LJ this year. I think they were expecting that this was going to be the guy, one of the guys on the defense. And because of the backstory, because of who he is, I think that that endeared him to a lot of different people here. Um, number five, again, this is before training camp. So if it was after training camp, Justin Ross would be on this list for beloved in Kansas City because that man, holy cow. Brett, if you want to start riots in Kansas City this week, cut Justin Ross. Like, <laughs> if you find out what happens there. Yeah. Break out I, the pitchforks, people. Oh, like, There's that good, no way. No way, no way, but similar to your Felix pick, I'm going with Nick Bolton. Um, a, you know, local kid, uh, guy that's a pro bowler playing really well was a key part of you know, even though the defense didn't play particularly well, Nick Bolton did so, was a key part of all of that. I'm gonna put him in at number five as the guy that you know, this te- this fan base really loves and loves the way that he plays. Yeah, you, know, you, you mentioned mckinnon's ability to stick his nose in there make some hits and stuff like that people love a good linebacker in this town ask Derek johnson they uh they love a good linebacker in this town and nick bolton is their best one so yeah uh, i'm going with that that's gonna do it for this episode of 21 questions i thank ryan for joining me my friend we will get together we will do this again soon we will chat again soon as well I think If you have not listened to AHPKC this week yet, go back. Listen to it. They're new this week, and they'll be new again this coming week. They'll be with us for the rest of the season going forward here. My name is Craig Stout. Please be kind to each other, and we will catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard.